Sometimes I lay under the moon I thank God I'm breathing And I pray, don't take me soon Cause I am here for a reason Sometimes in my tears I drown But I never let it get me down So when negativity surrounds I know Three years ago, we posed a simple question. What would happen if we took a one-sentence mandate from Jesus and we made that our mission? Acts 1.8. For you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria and all the way to the ends of the earth. Not only does God establish a mandate in this scripture, but he says, I want you to be a part of it. Well, let's get context for just a moment here. You go back to verse seven. The disciples come to Jesus and they say, when are you going to establish your kingdom in our nation, Lord? And Jesus says, you know what? Don't worry about that. Just put that to the side. It is not for you to be concerned about the time or the date. But listen to this right here. Listen, but you will receive power. What he's saying is, don't just sit back and watch and wait for the kingdom of God to come. But you need to be my witnesses. What he's saying is, I will give to you so that you can give it away. I will give you power so that you can give power to those. This is a hard principle to understand. I'm trying to teach my kids this principle right now. And I've got a new technique. It's not going so well, but let me tell you. All right, when I give the kids treats, instead of giving each one a treat, I've decided I'm going to give two treats to one kid, okay? Now listen, I'm going to give you these two cookies, Zeke, and when I give them to you, you can have one, but you need to share one with your sister, okay? Okay, Dad. Yes, Dad. So I give them the treats. Thank you, Dad. Now you need to give one to Ella. No, thank you, Dad. (laughs) Ezekiel, if you don't share one of those with your sister, I'm going to take the cookies back. And he starts eating (laughs) every time. Count on it. It's tough, though. You feel with them because we all understand that when things are put in our hands, it's human nature to what? To say mine, to try to hoard those things for ourselves. So it would be much easier for me to just give one a treat and give the other a treat. But instead, I'm intentional with this idea because I want my kids to know that when they are given a blessing, it is so they can be a blessing. In Genesis 12, God comes along and he gives a covenantal blessing to Abram. And he says, Abram, I will make you and your name great. And I will bless the nations around you through you. God is still the source 
of the blessing to all people. But sometimes he says, I want to make you the conduit of my blessing. He chooses us. He wants to work through us to bring blessing to those around us. And you know what? It's not just a temporal treat, is it? No, he wants to give his blessing. He wants to give his power. He comes along and Jesus said, and I will give you power through my spirit to what? To be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This word witness, the Greek word is martyr meaning to speak from personal knowledge and significance. This is not just a calling to geography, but this is a calling to biography. In other words, what that means is that more than anything else, we are called to know the sender, the God who has created us and the God who sends it out, sends us out. In junior high, my youth pastor challenged me to take a scripture, a verse that I had heard sang, prayed hundreds of times, and just to rewrite that. And so I did. So I took the Lord's Prayer, and I rewrote it, and I paraphrased it, and I put it in my own words. And here's what happened, a couple of things. First, my prayer life came alive, because I began to think about what it means and what words can mean to bring glory to God. But second, the literal words of Jesus' prayer all of a sudden had meaning for me. The 818 movement. What is it? Ordinary people, empowered by God's Spirit, to do what Jesus did together wherever they are. Ordinary people. We see in New Testament times that that men were tested in their proficiency of Scripture. And what would happen is the, the top tier, the best and the brightest, were taken and they were stuck with rabbis. And those rabbis would walk with them and they would take and they would disciple them. But Jesus comes along one day. And he, and he comes along and he doesn't go and get the, the top one half percent. He doesn't go and get the cream of the crop. He goes down to the fish market and he goes to the local fishing dock and he finds the common people and he finds the average people and he finds the ordinary. Ordinary people empowered by God's spirit. Today, we shouldn't be sitting here saying that, okay, God, I want to do something for you today. Feel good. I'm going to help you out today. You know what we should be saying? We should be asking the question, God, where are you at work? And how can I come along and be a part of that thing? The disciples come along in verse 7 and they say, okay, Jesus, all right, when are you going to come along and and fit what you're doing into what I need you to do right here? When are you going to fix the current state of our nation? And we can relate to that, can't we? We need a little bit of help in the current state of our nation. And we're all good at identifying the problem. But let me tell you something today. We don't need people just to tell it like it is. We need people to tell it like it can be. And Jesus comes along and he says, you know what? Don't be concerned with this thing right here. I'm trying to say this thing over here. When you do this, this will take care of itself in its good time and in its good place. Ordinary people empowered by God's spirit. Doing what Jesus did. Here's the secret to A18. It's not a group of one-week trips. It's not service projects around our city. It's not a program. It's Jesus' words. Don't listen to what we have to say. Do what Jesus did. Here's the way Lloyd Ogilvie put it. We have been instructed in the things Jesus did, but know too little of what he continues to do Today, 
as indwelling spirit and engendering power. Jesus' words were no different than his work. Our message can't be any different than our mission. Ordinary people, empowered by God's spirit, to do what Jesus did together. Jesus sends out the disciples two by two. And what does it say? You are called to be my witnesses, not my witness. Action is taken in plural form. It never happens in singular format. And so when we come and we find a place of togetherness, here's what happened. Here's what happens. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse one. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off the things that so easily entangle us and let us run the race with perseverance that has been marked out for us. Two things happen when we find a place of godly togetherness. One, we were released. We find a new level of freedom. Two, we find a new sense of purpose in the kingdom of God. Ordinary people empowered by God's spirit, doing what Jesus did together wherever they are. You know that you don't have to go to Africa to be a part of God's movement. You can walk across the hallway and get to know your coworker. You can walk across the street and get to know your neighbor. You can turn to the person riding that cycle at the gym next to you and begin to advance the kingdom of God. Now, short-term missions aren't, those are just a part of what we do within missions. But let's take just a moment to break this down a little bit. All right, I've got this booklet and short-term, okay, it costs $2,000 to go on this trip. That's a lot of money. Okay, 10 people are going on that. That's like $20,000. Why don't we just talk about that and try to raise the money and then send it over there. Well, here's what we found. We have found that, that if we share some images and photos and if we uh, talk about what God is doing and share stories and we share miracles that he is doing around the world, if we do that, then we can compel people for a day. But if we decide to bring people along with us to see firsthand what God is doing, to experience the mission of God, to, to be a part of his miracles and his spirit and his power at work through us, then something happens. They're not just compelled for a day, but they are compelled to give for a lifetime. God doesn't just want our heads. He doesn't just want our time. God doesn't just want our money. God wants our hearts. He wants to get this right in here. Just as a, a baseball pitcher needs a ball. Just as an artist needs a breast, as an author needs a pen, so God needs our hearts. And he wants them today. And when he gets them, a move isn't just a move. A move becomes a movement. And when a movement starts, you know how a movement starts? It starts by one person moving. But a movement takes on a whole new level when a series of people begin to move together at the same time in the same place. We empowered a couple of weeks ago our local missions leader, Amanda Giobi, a.k.a. the person who has never seen a dance that she didn't want to perform. <laughs> we empowered her to go into our city and to create a movement. Hey, guys, we're going to have a little bit of fun today, okay? So I want to take you into this experience and see what a movement can look like in our city, all right? Let's check it out. Our mission series this year is called A18 Movement. You may ask yourself, what is a movement? simple starts with one person and that one person influences other people to join alongside them in that movement then it grows even bigger to where more and more and more people become a part of a movement till it affects something larger till it becomes something greater and what you're going to see right now 
is us being a part of a movement here inside Union Station. still following you better move <laughs> how fun was that i honestly have no idea where to go from there one of my favorite parts of filming this was watching the security guards completely perplexed like what in the world is going on right now well you just witnessed a movement let me ask you a question what does a congressman 
a Tom Shoes wearing hipster, a Republican, a Democrat, a gay rights activist, a missionary all have in common. They are all attenders of this thing called National Community Church. I love that. I get so excited knowing that there's a melting pot of all sorts of men and women that are coming together, walking along, trying to figure out what this thing of following this Jewish rabbi from Nazareth named Jesus, who 2,000 years later continues to say, follow me. We are a people that are in process. Call it belong before you believe. Call it come as you are. Call it this is a journey, not a destination. And we are a mishmash of denominations, and I know this because at the height of worship... We got our Episcopalian background people going like this. (laughs) And they're standing right next to the Pentecostals going, oh my gosh, I need more room right now. Where's my tambourine? Where's my shaker? I love that though. I love that. That's the church. That's the ecumenical, beautiful perspective of the church. And what I'm trying to get to and draw us to is what really draws us together, this mishmash crew of people that are in process, is this desire to be a part of something bigger than themselves. We crave it. We desire to be part of something that's moving somewhere, that's going somewhere. We want to be a part of a movement. They're everywhere. Now, the question is for me, is what is a movement? What does this look like? What are the components of a movement? And I thought, why don't we go ahead and deconstruct the Jiho video? Why don't you go ahead and roll it? We're going to dive into, okay, so we've got our hidden camera that's going on right now. Oh, it's about to go down right now. Okay, so what you discover is we need a leader that is willing to be bold enough and to be ridiculed enough. Exhibit A, Amanda Giobi. (laughs) And you'll notice that what she is doing is she's showing something that is simple enough for people to follow. Notice I didn't say easy, simple enough. Now we've got the crucial role of the followers jumping in right now. And you'll notice they're teaching others how to follow. So the leader now is not only teaching them, but he is te- she is teaching them as an equal. So now we've got Amanda, we've got not just her, but them. It's plural. So now they're starting to get going. Oh, they're flailing their arms. They're going crazy. I just went flying right now. And now, all of a sudden, it's not just Amanda. It's not just a couple of people. It's a crowd. Okay, a crowd is doing something. A crowd is going somewhere. So what you need is something public. You need something visible. Now we see our security guards starting to freak out in the back. And now we see Pastor Joel in the background, Pastor Mike right here. And look at little Ezekiel. Not a clue what is going on. And we've now established a movement. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the movement. By way of comparison... It was 2,000 years ago that Jesus is dining with the Pharisees, and partway through the meal, a woman approaches, broken, abused, and distraught, and she falls to the ground in front of Jesus, and this is breaking all sorts of social taboos at this point. You could just, like, sucks the air out of the room, and you've got all these religious establishment just sitting there watching this moment unfold, and Jesus gets down on one knee, looks up at her, and speaks something that I believe all of us desire to be heard. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. 
I would argue that despite how you feel about the church, despite how you feel about God right now, all of the ways in which the name of Jesus has been just makes you angry. Despite all of that, you hear stories like this and you go, okay, that. I want that. I could be a part of that. That's something that speaks into me. And in Matthew 28, Jesus gives this great commission. And he says, go into all the world and convert people to Christianity. No, he doesn't say that. Everybody's like, really? He he said that? No, what does he say? Go into all the world and make disciples. What's he doing? The movement has begun. Do it. Go. Make it happen. Be a part of redeeming and redemption and restoration. Be a part of it. Go. Now, my wife and I live in a building called 520 Street. It is a former meatpacking warehouse turned artist studios. We love it. 14-foot ceilings, brick walls, wood floors. It's full of the creative class. Artists, filmmakers, curators, photographers. And we love it. We, we just love the stories that are shared. We love the meals that we have, the aromatic combination of ethnic cuisine and marijuana that seeps through the floorboards. <laughs> we had, uh, Pastor Heather had her Theology 101 this past spring, and I'm thinking to myself, if our neighbors are lighting up, it could get really interesting theological discussion. <laughs> and we're having these conversations with different kind of people. We'll just let that fester for a little bit. <laughs> we're having these interesting conversation with people and an almost automatically and guaranteed the I'm a pastor conversation is going to happen. And it's always followed by a chorus of crickets. People have no idea what to say. And it's followed by some cynicism of the brand of Christianity that they've experienced. A brand that's about hypocrisy and judgment. And to be honest with you, I don't blame them. But I find it very interesting When I start to talk about Jesus in the context of missions, see, when we start talking about what Jesus is for and not what religion is against, the tone shifts, doesn't it? We're not in defense mode anymore. We're just talking about what Jesus has done in our lives. I love talking about how in the past three years, over 450 NCCers have been a part of a movement of going on short-term missions. 450 people have given their time and their money to go to places like the Congo, who we we raised $15,000 to give towards an orphanage in a miracle offering a year ago. We had a team go this past June and partner with a uh, named Pastor Jeremiah, who is just this high-impact church that's making a difference in this community. We're going back. I think about the Dominican Republic and partnering with the sister church down there to do some construction. I think about the crazy crew from Guatemala. (laughs) John Jakubowski is an NCCer, and 10 years ago, he went down to Guatemala and he saw a tremendous need, and he started an organization called Champions in Action. And what they do is they partner at-risk youth with mentors, and they do it through soccer. And we sent a team down there. 35 people went down there. We're going back. South Africa, we sent a team there working with the Ferignos, a missionary couple that does work with the HIV AIDS community, starting a hospice care center. What is this? This is ordinary people empowered by God's Spirit to do what Jesus did, 
together wherever they are. 1,400 people have participated in our local Second Saturday and Outreach Projects. 1,400 people. Go ahead and flash up those. Look at this. These are the different projects that we have participated in in the last three years. Things like the Youth Services Center, which ministers to incarcerated youth that might otherwise never see anybody while they're, they're there. But we now have a group of guys that go every other week to minister through basketball. These are the kind of things that we are called to. It's ordinary people empowered by God's Spirit to do what Jesus did together wherever they are. I think of 73 missionaries that we serve and support around the world. A lot of you probably didn't even know that. Anywhere from Chi Alpha ministry pastors that are throughout this country that serve and work with campus students that are just in the most formative time of their lives and speaking into them, all the way to a couple from Afghanistan that feel called to go into the Taliban area and to build fish farms to work with the impoverished people of Afghanistan. This is ordinary people empowered by God's Spirit to do what Jesus did together wherever they are. I think of couples that have caught this missional impulse that last year, instead of doing the wedding registry, the Target and Bed Bath & Beyond, they said, go ahead and send all your money to the A18 catalog. Let's go ahead and together let's build a lit- let's raise money to support a latrine system. We're going to now go to Haiti this next year to help build. That's ordinary people empowered by God's Spirit to do what Jesus did together wherever they are. I love being a part of a movement that's going to do 15 trips this upcoming year. We're going domestic. We're going international. We're going to trips that we've, places that we've never been before. We're going back to places that we've been. We're going to continue to expand this movement and participate with what God is doing around the world. I love being a part of a movement of a God that calls us into redemptive work in the midst of poverty, disillusionment, and disease. What is A1A? It's not a program. Pastor Joel said it. It's a lifestyle. It's a way of living and being and seeing this world. And the moment you capture that, you can't not be a part of it. But the question is, what does this look like? So last year we committed ourselves to focus on seven different issues. But as we began talking and praying into this next year, we felt like we need to further refine kind of what God is doing in our strategy and our plan for this next year. We want to continue to be active in all these different issues, but what are the all-encompassing categories that lead us into this new year? So we began began just to pray about this thing and commit ourselves to the Lord, and we came up with three encompassing areas. Poverty, disease, and restoration. Now, here's what I love about NCC, though. We're not just an awareness organization, are we? We are an action organism. And so how do we take these three categories and how do we insert ourselves uh, in providing action into these different areas? And so as we were praying through these things, we kept coming back to the verb in Acts 1.8, act. That's what it's all about. When the spirit of God comes and touches our spirit, that's what you do. Faith is turned into action. And we saw it as a double branding opportunity as well. It fits into A1.8. 
but it also fits into this incredible missional calling that all of us, that every single one of us have. Act. The first part of it is the A, which stands for assist the poor. You see over two and a half billion people throughout the world that live on less than $2 a day. Every one or one out of every five persons in our city, in D.C., lives below the poverty line. The stats are staggering, right? But, but why should I care about that? Because Jesus cared. Because Jesus cared a lot about these things. In fact, he came and, and the first item on his agenda when he announced his ministry was the item of poverty. We see in Luke chapter 4, Verse 18, here's what Jesus says. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. You'll see three pages of opportunities in your brochure to assist the poor. We want to be a part of combating the greatest killer in the world right now. That's disease. We want to address disease by caring for the sick. In Matthew chapter 25, I find it very interesting that Jesus uses this particular imagery to talk about the judgment. All the nations are judged and people are judged according to God. And what's interesting is it's when they're confronted by this, they're not asked doctrinal questions. The virgin birth, yes or no. Creation or evolution, thoughts weigh in. No, what do they say? What does he say? When I, was, when I was sick, did you care for me? When I was in prison, did you visit me? My father and my parents were just so awesome at trying to instill this idea of caring for the sick when we were younger. And so every month, our family would truck over to the nursing home, and we would put on a 30-minute service. Now, I was, in, I was a teenager. I wasn't the biggest fan of that. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I was, you know, just fumbling through some hymns, and it was very out of tune singing, and my brother would just kind of murmur the scripture. My, but what, the image that I have was my father walking up to the nurse every, son, every time we met, and he would say, Who is the, who's the person that has the least amount of visitors? Who can I go visit? So we, we participate in this thing called uh, Stoddard Nursing Home every month at Second Saturday. And I did what my father did. I walked up to a nurse. I said, nurse, tell me who, who's had the least amount of visitors. And, and she pointed to a guy. And, and so I was like, all right. So I walk over. And I sit down. And it's this older gentleman. And he's got a, a rag and just a pool of, of uh, saliva. He's just lost mobility, but he's sharp as a tack. And his name is Sam. He's 87 years old. It had been six months since, since anybody had seen him. And I, like, when he told me that, I'm like a mess. I'm crying. This guy's like staring at me. Like, who is this guy? <laughs> I just was present. I didn't do anything. I didn't say anything special. I believe that whether you're a president or you're a next-door neighbor, this fundamental question of caring for the sick is something that we're all going to be held accountable for. The gospel and the heart of God is about caring for the sick. 
And then the T we're left with. Transforming reconciliation. Jesus didn't just come to bring wellness to the sick. He didn't just come to bring good health. He didn't just come to release from poverty. He didn't just come to bring money or a temporal assistance to people. Jesus came, why? Because he believed that there needed to be reconciliation, that that brothers needed to come back together, that families needed to be restored, that enemies needed to walk side by side. He believed that we needed to find transformation through reconciliation. Our goal today is not for you to to sit back and say, wow, they're really doing a lot. (laughs) Our goal today is for you to say, wow, what can I do? Act. Assist the poor, assisting the poor, caring for the sick, transforming through reconciliation. We have two simple takeaways for for today, and that's this. Number one, be a part of the movement. How? You got a brochure on your way in. As you look through that, you'll see countless opportunities to get involved locally, domestically, internationally. Take a step out, jump in, take a step of faith. But you know what? Also outside of that booklet, it's, it, this turns into a movement when you take mission outside of that booklet. Take it into your families, take it into your neighborhood, into your workplace. See what God might do. Number two, Take Jesus' words seriously. Don't listen to what we have to say. Obey what he has to say. On your way out today, we've got a card at the door. It's a very simple card. It's got the A18 logo on one side, and it's got the A18 paraphrase on the other side. As you take this, open up your wallet and drop it in. Can I ask you to do one simple thing today? Take that one line and memorize it this week. And every time you open up your wallet, try to memorize it and pray that idea into existence. See what God can do. Let me close with this story. In January of this last year, uh, a group of us from NCC went to Ocho Rios, Jamaica, to work with a Teen Challenge Center. And Teen Challenge is a Christ-centered drug rehabilitation uh, program that works with guys there. And so we went and, and in the daytime, we worked shoulder to shoulder alongside these guys in different construction projects. And at nighttime, we had the chance to, to worship side by side with these guys. And there is nothing, there is nothing like singing, here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God with 25 former addicts. Let me tell you something. Every teen challenge I've ever been in, they are horrible singers. (laughs) It was bad and loud. But you know what? Pleasing worship unto God doesn't always just happen in an air-conditioned theater. It doesn't always happen in an air-conditioned coffee house. Sometimes pleasing worship unto God has to happen in a hot and a humid and an overcrowded and without enough seats, back room at a Teen Challenge Center in Ocho Rios, Jamaica. And we were giving God praise each one of those nights. And we came to Friday night. And God spoke something to me specifically. Said, you've been coming, and or you came on this trip 
to share some of me with these guys. But tonight, I'm going to teach you about myself through these guys. And he said, see that guy right there? He's your teacher tonight. And I look over, and it's Byron. It's a former addict. It's a former uh, drug dealer. It's a former murderer. And God takes this guy, Byron, and he plucks him out to speak to me, to speak directly into me, to breathe new life into these dry bones. And I looked at him and God began to speak. I don't want 80% of you, Joel. I don't want what you have to give in your hands. I don't want what you're willing to give. I don't want your gift. I want all of you. I want 100% of you. Every part of you I wanted. And I watched Byron and he had his hands extended out to God in worship and praise to him. And I look over and I said, yes, God. I'm going to respond tonight. And I'm just going to do something. He is my mentor tonight. I'm going to worship exactly like Byron's worshiping. And I just stuck my hands out. God, I worship you with every fiber of my being. And a couple of minutes later, I look over and Byron's down on his knees. So I said, all right, I'm going to get down on my knees. I got down. God, I surrender to you. I give up every single part of myself unto you. A couple minutes later, I look over. Byron's doing one of these. All right, God, I'm going down. All right, here we God, I continue to call out to my creator and give you praise because you are due the praise. And I look over and I start laughing, you guys. Byron is face down on the floor. All right. I cannot out humble this guy. This guy's humility is unstoppable. And it turned into this competition. I'm going face down. Oh, God. And then I look over and he's doing the bicycle. I start doing the bicycle. I didn't really do that. I added that last part on. I didn't do that. The guy was giving God everything he had, every part of himself. And you know what? Yesterday didn't matter to him. Because today he had a decision for his destiny. And he would decide to choose to glorify God and to give him everything. And God said to me, you know what, Joel? I don't want your gift. I want your heart. And I want all of it. Today, as we sit here wondering what our response to be, I want to ask you not just to give what you think you can afford to give today. Give what God wants you to give. Give your heart. And give all of it. When we do that, maybe a movement can begin to spring up from our hearts. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you for your word that speaks to us. We thank you for your mandate and we thank you for your mission. We pray that you would help us to take your word and to take it into our city God, help us to take it into our neighborhoods, help us to take it into our workplace, help us to take it into our families, God, help us to take it into our nation and help us to take it to the very ends of this earth. Jesus, we pray today that you would help us to take your words seriously. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Hey, at all four or at all of our locations, I want to invite all of our ushers to come forward at this time. So ushers, you can come up to the front. We want to worship the Lord with our giving at this time. And uh, this is an opportunity to give of, of your tithes and offerings, but it's also an opportunity to respond to the message. And in the very back of your brochure, you'll see the last page is perforated. You can tear that out 
And as you look and see where you are interested in being a part of this movement, you can just sign your information on there, tear that out, and in just a moment, you can drop it in the offering as a response in worship tonight, okay? I should just keep coming forward. And hey, let me just mention, if you're a guest here today, I don't want you to feel any pressure to give in this offering. We're just glad to have you here with us today, okay? Ushers, you can go ahead at all our locations and begin passing the plates around. And as we're worshiping through our giving today, we're going to do something. We're going to take you into Ocho Rios, Jamaica, into a back room that's overcrowded, too many people, that's hot, that's humid, And we're going to allow you just for a couple of moments to reflect in worship with 25 former addicts as they sing in praise for us. Here I am to worship. Here I am to worship. 